Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time and range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. This is Beth Center on VSN, the sports betting network. Welcome back in. It's hour number three, VSN Bet Center on a Saturday night, live from our downtown Las Vegas Circus Sportsbook. Studios, along with the maniacally laughing Jeff Parles, oh, I'm Ben man. Wilson. There's been a lot of the college football slate that is just, quite frankly, hard to believe that we've actually seen so far. We are going to get into our NFL previews for the final two hours of the show. We will keep you posted, though, on some of the marquee games going down to the wire, which include Bo Nix on fourth and goal, the Auburn quarterback, attempting a goal line fade from the one-yard line where it looked like he was aiming for Heinz Field. Uh, I mean, and uh, Penn State has the ball right now up 8, 28, 24 minutes to go. And we'll see if they can hang on as a four, four and a half point favorite. Yeah, one uh, of them. yeah. Bo Nix's throw was uh, closer to landing in Mechanicsburg than actually landing in the good, stadium. I mean, it's just a horrible throw. Mechanicsburg. Uh, Penn, Penn State, by the way, just uh, was throwing from their own end zone. Uh, first down play. They barely got out on a run. Uh, Clifford throwing to Dodson and a, a pass interference that I, I, I'm not certain it was actually pass interference. Another Another poor call by this officiating crew at least allows Penn State to get out and breathe now. They have a second down and nine from their own 17-yard line. Auburn only has one timeout left. So. And they're now down to about 210 yeah, on the so, clock. So, so Penn State, yeah, bears, one bears first down for the Nittany Lions, and under tickets are going to be good, and Penn State minus whatever number you got are going to be good. By the way, final in Carson, San Diego State beats Utah 33-31. The dueling two-point conversions for the first time at the FBS level. San Diego State won on the, uh, had scored on a, a Philly special-esque play. Utah originally called the score on the field. 
overturned on replay, and that game is final. And the Aztecs win is an eight and a half point underdog What's outright. An adventure if you run Aztecs plus two seventy money line. Tough beat for the total. This was twenty four to ten with uh, with about five minutes to go in the game. Total of forty two and a half or forty three, and uh, this thing ends up going way way over the total. Oh, so boy. we will keep you posted on on the other remaining games as well as the, as they come down to the stretch. Some of the games, if you were with us earlier, uh, we were keeping a close eye on. But Jeff, it is that time, week two in the NFL. We're going to get to every game on the board. As we, we did last week, we'll do it again this week. We'll get into our fade or follow segments where we take a look at the consensus picks in the Circa Millions contest going on right behind us. Also break down our thoughts on the survivor options this week, depending on uh, depending on who you still have remaining. Only one week. Most people have, uh, have made it this far. There were some upsets, as we all know from last week. But, Jeff, let's start with the game that uh, you're speaking of upsets. I, I don't want to make you feel... <laughs> Too badly here, right well, off the, the gate. But the, the con- contest play of Atlanta against Philadelphia, uh, and, great. Well, you, and you uh, and the, survivor and the uh, one of my two decent survivor picks, the exclusive you, decent survivor pool, the exclusive decent survivor pool where Jeff Parles got cute. I he had, he had survived two entries. At least in the other one, Tampa cash Thursday, so we put in Atlanta for a second survivor pick. That one is gone. Rob Moreno, one of our standing technical directors, by the way, the other who had uh, Atlanta Appreciate in survivor. It. So speaking of those upsets, you get that team in Philadelphia who won in pretty dominant fashion, 32-6, to under Nick Sirianni, first-year coach in his first game. They're coming home. And they get the San Francisco 49ers, who stayed out east this week, just like they did in 2020 and 2019 at the Greenbrier in West Virginia. 49ers with, while the travel not an issue this week, Jeff, a big boatload of injury concerns as well after Raheem Mostert went down early in that game out for the season for San Francisco and banged up in a number of other spots. Drake Greenlaw will not play with a groin injury. Emmanuel Mosley not likely to play one of the starting quarterbacks with a knee injury. And they have a number of other players on the defensive side of the ball. Javon Kinlaw, top defensive tackle. Eric Armstead, a solid defensive lineman. They're both questionable, have been limited in practice all week. Marcel Harris, another linebacker, you can add him to that list as well. With that being said, Jeff, where does this rank in, in the overreaction theatrics that we saw from week one to week two? As we've seen Philadelphia That's... get bet heavily, and it has now come down to San Francisco only laying three pretty much market-wide across the board. Yeah, there's just some two and a half on the East Coast also yeah, on Thursday and Friday, mm. uh, which uh, I, I, there's three even. There's three 105 right now. I don't get it. I, this is This is an overreaction based off what we saw from the Eagles. Not... Forget what happened with, at the end with the 49ers. They, they, that was nonsense, what happened at the end of that game, the fact that Detroit actually had a shot to tie that game late. Total nonsense. San Francisco stopped playing. What are you going to do? That's why that happened. You really want to tell me that Philadelphia beating up on Atlanta, who may just be absolutely terrible, dictates this line is two and a half, three points difference in what the look-ahead was? I don't see it. San Francisco's a much better team than Philadelphia still. And you're dealing with, again, very impressed with Philly's coaching staff week one. Sirianni did a great job, called a great game, and that defense played significantly better than I would have thought. Job well done by Philly's coaching staff. You're going up against a tested, excellent coaching staff with San Francisco. You're going up against a very good defense that completely fell asleep at the end. Of they gave up 10 points realistically in that game against Detroit. That was it. 41-10 at the yeah. two-minute warning. Yeah. And you they re- don't cover uh, as an eight-and-a-half, uh, nine-and-a-half-point closing So, favorite. look. For me, Ben, I'm not I, I'm not looking at what happened at the end of the game. San Francisco beat the heck out of a bad team last week. 
and I expect them to beat up on a team that may be better than I thought. It may be better than I thought, mostly because that NFC East is a train wreck, and Philadelphia might have a shot because Washington looks a lot worse than I thought they would going into the year, and the Giants are horrible, and Dallas has a horrible defense. But this is an overreaction. I, I, I know it may be a, a square play laying three on the road with a team that is seen as a better team, but look, market is going against what I think. Probably going to be two and a half by the time this uh, game kicks, and I don't get it. I think San Francisco rolls here. Late a three, late a two and a half yeah. when it gets there. Even if this was four, I'd still think San Francisco would be the right side I mean, here. Total, the, total, uh, the total's too high also. 49, 49 and a half yeah, total's market too, wide. Total's too high too. This is an overreaction to what we saw in week one where, again, San Francisco scored 41 points. 14 of those were off of nonsense thanks to the, the, the Lions. And the Eagles, again, look, I mean, the Eagles only allowed six. So if you think the Eagles' defense is legitimately good, why is this total five points more than it probably should be? Yeah, and I, I'm with you on the side here, Jeff. And what I think of this Eagles' offense, and I like as, as we talked about last week, I was much higher on Philadelphia coming into the season than you were. I still would, I was still not going out on a limb thinking they would win the game. But you look at an Atlanta defense who has been, I mean, for the last, you go back three, four seasons, and it is still the same right now. Any metric you want to look at, whether it's the early down success rate, the DVOA metrics, it's been a bottom five defense, and it's not like for new head coach Arthur Smith, Atlanta got many reinforcements at all on the defensive side of the ball. I get the sense, Jeff, that this is a Philadelphia offense that has the potential to look really, really good against poor defenses because they have amazing weapons. You think about the connection, wide receiver Devontae Smith and great. quarterback Jalen Hurts going back to their time at Alabama. They have the ability to put up some big plays and big numbers in certain spots but this is the, your classic step-up-in-class to me, Jeff, and an elite 49ers defense that, as we saw, you said you know, you know, said there was some nonsense. I mean, you're forcing a pick six on, on Jared Goff by just bringing pressure after pressure after pressure. And uh, you, know, you think about Bosa on the front line. It, he made life uh, – it was, it was a miserable day for the Detroit offense. It's not line. a fun day for the Detroit offense. So as you, see, as you see some of the props here, I'm, I'm not really in love with, uh, with the, the Hurts passing yard prop in a matchup like this, even though he's at home. A, because of the rushing factor he brings you, Jalen Hurts, and, and has been effective in that regard as well. But that's my thought on this, Jeff. I, I, I think Philadelphia's offensively will be exposed pretty drastically when they get matchups like this. The only thing that worries me, it's why I did not play this, did not put this in the contest, is how banged up San Francisco is defensively. I know they stayed on the East Coast, but when you've got almost half of your defensive starters at least limited, if not already ruled out, Jeff, that does give me a, a little bit of pause. But I still think that they, they are able to control this game from a line of scrimmage perspective. Yeah, look, even with the injuries, they're still, still a better front than Philadelphia is, on, especially defensively. So, I, look, I, this is one of those, if the Eagles beat me, I'll tip my cap, you tip your move cap. to the next one. And uh, By the way, also, San Francisco can be a very hard team to figure out prop-wise. This year. They just they are. They spread the they well. They just are. And also, too, I mean, Lane's throwing a touchdown pass last week kind of throws a wrench into even going with Garoppolo prop. So, they're the... This is not a good prop game, unless if you want to go a Jalen Hurts rushing total over would be the only thing I'd even look at here. Okay. Uh, but look, uh, San Francisco is a really difficult team to figure out prop-wise, Ben. Speaking of teams that, are, that can be difficult to figure out prop-wise, the Cleveland Browns, based on their two-headed rushing attack, they come off of a, of a game where they blow a late lead, do cover, despite giving betters like myself a scare <laughs> at the very end. Browns return home. This is a game that has been... Uh, we'll talk about this later as well from a survivor standpoint. This is one of your popular survivor plays of the week. 
Cleveland hosting the Houston Texans. This was 12, 12 and a half early in the week. It's now been bet up all the way to 13 or 13 and a half. Clearly, Jeff, the betting public not buying at all what they saw out of head coach David Culley and the Houston Texans in week one, where with backup quarterback Tyrod Taylor in there, they demolish the Jacksonville Jaguars. But coming on the road to the dog pound with fans back and a legitimately good Cleveland team that should have won that game, if we're being fair, in Kansas City, you have a nine-point lead with six minutes left and you lose. Are you going to be the brave soul to, uh, to, to grab the 13-and-a-half? Might get to 14 by this thing uh, gets to so, game time. So at 14, that's where this gets interesting. You can't bet Cleveland now at 13-and-a-half because you missed the number. You can't bet it. But if this gets to 14, this gets interesting on Houston. Because once you get to that full two-touchdown ledger, I think it gets gobbled up by Sharps, and it goes right back to 13-and-a-half. How much of that move, too, do you think was – was based on the fact that we've seen so many so many teaser numbers were great in week one, and a lot of people have been gonna... in a position to tease Cleveland down below seven when it was still available I, at that I, 12 I and a half. I, I think that's a lot of the reason we've seen a lot of moves here. I think that's why when we get to Cincinnati and Chicago later, why Cincinnati might end up being a pick or even a favorite in that game. Like they, We're starting to see books move more. Uh, and again, I think this has to do with the parity in this league, Ben, where... Teaser numbers are going to start being, the regular numbers are going to really start being moved as teaser protection more than any. Would not surprise me if the Texans kept this within the numbers, Jeff. I don't expect just an immediate fall off to what we, we perceived preseason. However, I'm not going to be that brave soul that takes the Texans. I would, I would lay with Cleveland if you made me, but no play for me. On the other side, we'll break down that team Houston beat in week one. Interesting spot for Denver on the road in Jacksonville. We'll discuss that next. Update you on what's going on as well in Happy Valley right after this here on Beeson Bet Center. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, they're like, you know, who's really against Creighton? You don't watch Creighton. They play. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shane and the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not, never the, not, gonna, the, not the Big East tournament? Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But, like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That could, like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was – Creighton is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. that. Like, that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a, is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> And then they're never at any of those. And then they're never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? You see the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March. And ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. 
Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot. But the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great Thank conversation. You. This is Best Center on VSIN, the sports betting network. Indeed helps you hire great people fast. Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. According to Talent Nest, visit Indeed.com slash credit. We're back on VEASAN Bet Center where it has gone final. What a crazy game. Penn State hosting Auburn. Jeff Farrells, uh, back with you, back with you. I'm Ben Wilson. Uh, 28-20, your final. Penn State holds off a late surge by Auburn. They get a goal line stand, fourth and goal at the one-yard line. And Jeff, all that money, one of the high, highest ticket counts we saw of any game today at BetMGM, it was, in fact, the second highest ticket count today on Auburn plus the points. Bet from Auburn plus seven down to four or four and a half. And Penn State, they cover all numbers, Yes, Jeff. they do. Good win for Penn State. Uh, I, I will say this. I think Auburn, Auburn is still pretty similar to what they've been these last few years. If Bo Nix was a little bit better, they'd really have a shot to play with Alabama and the big guys in the SEC. But Bo Nix is still pretty average. And in the end, Bo Nix being Bo Nix was the difference here. So good win for Penn State. And now I'm very curious to see what Penn State is in the futures market to win the Big Ten. Because remember, this is not a conference game, so Mm -hmm. it shouldn't shift the odds too much regardless. But uh, you know that people will bet them today after seeing this. um, And what they are in the national championship futures. Because again, the way that Penn State's schedule breaks down, Ben, if they make, if they win the Big Ten East, even at eleven and one, and flip around and win in Indianapolis, they're going to make the playoff because that schedule is so difficult. As we pointed out, it could be their four toughest opponents end up being all away from Beaver Stadium, and if you survive at eleven and one and a Big Ten champion on the boot, they look. I, I to me, after watching Penn State for three weeks now, I think they're the fourth best team in the country. And Sean Clifford, you mentioned it. That was he the was big good question. tonight. The quarterback tonight. for Penn State, 28 of 32 for 280 yards, a couple touchdowns and a pick. The number is not so kind to Bo Nix. 21 of 37, the Auburn quarterback, 185 yards, five yards per attempt. Not exactly uh, what you're looking for is there. You see the Penn State, how brutal that gets down the stretch starting October 9th at Iowa. The, Let's, uh, uh, yeah, go yeah, ahead. They, one last point, and then we'll get back to the NFL, Ben. They'll be 5-0. and because Indiana's not any good. Villanova's good FCS, but Villanova's not going to Beaver Stadium and winning that game next week, obviously. Uh, but look, the next that that the remaining seven games, other than the Illinois game, and I'll throw the Rutgers game in there as well because it's at Beaver Stadium. The other five games are not easy. Even at Maryland's no joke. The Terps are pretty good. So 
look, if Penn State gets through that gauntlet at, at 11 and 1, they have a shot to make the playoff then. And 11 and 1 probably is winning the Big Ten East as well. Keep your eyes peeled for what those new futures will be. Likely released, uh, Jeff, overnight tonight into uh, into tomorrow morning. Once all these games are finalized, it'll be very interesting uh, to see on that. One of the big storylines and one of the big guys from last year's college football season, now a rookie, trying to lead his team back from the depths after one of the worst performances we saw of anybody last week, Jeff. Trevor Lawrence, the former Clemson quarterback, now leading the way for the Jacksonville Jaguars and former college coach Urban Meyer. It could not have been much worse for Urban Meyer and the Jags as a Favorite on the road in Houston last week. They get blitzed out of the building. 37-21 the loss. They turn around. They trot, stumble back home where they take on the Denver Bronco team that whacks the Giants on the road. Broncos, interestingly enough, they did not stay on the East Coast. They went back to Denver, traveled back out to Jacksonville. And this thing, similar to what we just talked about in our last segment with the, the, the movements that we saw have seen on, uh, we talked about Houston-Cleveland bet up a couple of points. Philadelphia as a dog bet down a couple points. Well, this was even more than a couple, Jeff. This was on the look ahead Denver in that one and a half or two range on the road. Three, three and a half probably felt like, a, at least to me, a fair number here, just given what we saw out of Denver week one and Jacksonville on the other side. But six, six, is that is that really a fair market price right now, Jeff? This thing has uh, gotten steamed to the Denver side. It does seem like from, from an injury perspective, Denver, we the big uh, the big injury. It'll be short term IR for Jerry Judy, likely to to miss four to six weeks after that gruesome ankle injury he suffered in that loss against the Giants. They think Bradley Chubb is listed as questionable, the linebacker. He is expected to get some snaps. Graham Glasgow, though one of the starting linemen, he is doubtful for Denver in this spot. Jacksonville on the other side, still the one injury loss. Trey Herndon out, one of the corners for the Jags coming in, although he had not was not slated to be a starter anyway. The question, Jeff, again, on, on the scope of the overreaction here, we know Jacksonville looks, if you watch that game, they looked as bad as, as it can get. They're catching six at home, though. And you know, like as a better, you should know where these lines start and where they finish. So when you look there and you see a Denver team going from one and a half to six on the road, are, are you giving pause too, at all too, to laying too, that many? Too, too big of a move. Too big of a move. I think I agree. I, I think I, and also I think there'll be some shops here in Vegas where this closes seven. We're already seeing some six and a half pop here in town. Uh, Feels like a stay away just on the surface. For me. I look, uh, I, look, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, it was used in one of my contests. Jacksonville getting the six, used in one of them. So look, I think this is too much. And and Denver, look, Denver might legitimately be good. That is a possibility here. And look, we're gonna find out because if they go to Jacksonville, wax Jacksonville, and then flip around and beat up on the Jets in their home opener and are three and zero, they will have handled their business against bad teams. And then we'll really find out once their schedule really starts in week four when the Ravens go to mile high, um, even though the Ravens might not be that good to begin with either. But look, look, I I think this is a little bit of an overreaction. And I really am curious of how Denver looked. Is it that they're actually good? Or is it that the Giants are really bad? And this is the rare, rare case where you're trying to evaluate Jeff overreaction, and we have already seen one of those teams play in Week Two, and the Giants looked—they looked horrible, uh, miserable. Even though they should have won the game, even though they, they should have won the game, <laughs> a miserable first two weeks for the New York Giants. So you and I were both on in the contest last week, and immediately regretting that decision. The thing on on the Denver side as well. So Teddy Bridgewater, very solid, and it, we as has been well documented, solid game manager. You see the passing prop for him there. 28 of 36, 264 yards last week and two touchdowns. Outside, though, Jeff, of that garbage time, Melvin Gordon, 70-yard touchdown run, 
the Broncos in this game in week one, three and a half yards per carry for the team on, on 27 attempts. There really wasn't much that they did on the ground. It was a very methodical, slow-moving pace. They just relied on the Giants imploding, imploding and shooting themselves in the foot. We saw the Daniel Jones fumble in the red zone, the Giants quarterback. And look, to me, Jeff, I, I think Denver goes in and wins the game, but if you made me pick a side, I think I would take a Jacksonville in the spot for as bad as the Jaguars look. And we know that like Urban, this had to have driven Urban Meyer absolutely bananas. And I don't think this is going to work out. Well, long term. If, if, if he wants to be there still. Yeah. But if there, I mean, if there's ever a time for Jacksonville to show up, even with the lack of personnel there, you have to think for, it, you have to think it's been an interesting week in the meeting it, rooms for Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence. That do look, it would make sense. It's your home opener. You know, you're going to have a full crowd there. It's the first game for Trevor Lawrence at home. Like, the spot makes sense for Jacksonville to show and play well, but look, they just might be really bad also. So that's that's the problem here. Like the Jaguars, the Giants, the Texans, even though they won, mm-hmm. uh, the Jets, there are a bunch of teams that just may be really bad, even though again, of those teams uh, that I just mentioned, the Jets were the were the of the losers of that bunch, were the most competitive of the three, losing by only five to Carolina where the other two were both losers by double digits. Of course, Houston, I know, won, but uh, there that might be win one of three this year for the Houston Texans. <laughs> certainly could be. And there is one shop far away places, as we like to refer to it, uh, not East Coast, but offshore, that has already gone to seven. Yeah. And there's one six and a half in the market on Denver. So I know the first of the games we've talked about, plays that I, I have no interest in making. We'll get to one that I do have a strong feeling towards, Jeff. And this is one that, again, a bit of a, a bit of a zag when the rest of the market is is zigging here, so to speak. But the Rams go to Indianapolis, and a Rams team that, that to me, Jeff, and as we talked t- touched on the, on the show last week, I was going to uh, I was going to have a, a pretty light wallet had the Rams lost that game, having tied in about eight Every different teasers. Teaser you had and uh, the, those look, those teasers went uh, six one and one. So it was a pr- it was a very solid week one. But the Rams, I was really not impressed. To me, they looked a step slow at times. Here's some fun with numbers, uh, Jeff. Who do you think of all the 32 teams had the best uh, early down uh, success rate in week one offensively? As a, If you're talking about the first three quarters, if we take out garbage time. So success rates and overall offensive efficiency on the first two downs, which are, you know, in the analytic well, world, the most important downs because you want to avoid well, third I, downs. I, I think the proper guess would be the Rams, but the way you're... Chicago Bears. Uh, there you go. They were the most so, efficient so, so, first and second down team in the league on early on early downs so, last so the, week. So I'm happy you brought that up because one of the things that happened last week that could play very easily into Indianapolis's favor here is that Chicago's run game was really good last week, and that is a team that I don't think anyone expected to have a, an elite run game, and they were one of the better running teams last week. And Indianapolis is healthy on the offensive line. Eric Fisher, good play. Uh, Quinn Nelson's ready to go. And you have, you know what Frank Reich does. He wants to pound the rock. So look, I under, I think the Rams, this will get to four. And I think the Rams are going to be the public, a heavy public side here. They just missed the consensus in the Circa Millions. They were the sixth pick, but had over a thousand selections in there. Don't be surprised if Indianapolis not only covers this game, but wins this game outright. This I, Look, I love this spot. One of the two plays I really like this week, I, I Indianapolis is a contest play for me. I'm waiting for this to get to four. Have not bet it. A uh, big teaser candidate for me as well, Jeff. Uh, tease this four, up to, get it up. Yeah, waiting absolutely. to get this four. Tease it up to ten. That's the strategy. And I'm glad you brought up the consensus, Jeff, because it's time yeah. for two of my favorite segments. Fade or follow the consensus. We will break down the top five most picked games in Circa Millions on the other side as we continue our week two NFL previews right after this here on Beats and Best Center. 
Make this football season your best sports betting season ever. Start your VEASAN free trial today to get full access to our sports betting experts, including 24-7 video streaming, daily best bet emails, betting splits with the money and ticket percentages on every game, plus full access to VEASAN.com data and analysis. You get everything VEASAN has to offer for only $22 per month. Sign up now at VEASAN.com. Subscribe. We're back on VSIN Bet Setter. Hour and a half left of the show as we break down every game on the card for NFL Week 2. Back with Jeff Parles. I'm Ben Wilson. It's time, Jeff. Our favorite segment. Fade or follow as we take a look at the consensus lines in the Circa Millions contest. We are here, by the way, after all, Circa a sports book in downtown Las Vegas and the five most selected games by the contestants, which, if you're not familiar, the Circa Millions, $1,000 entry. So these. Look, it, it's it is. Uh, there are some implications here, Jeff. As you are a a you have a, a split ticket entry mm-hmm. with our friend Wes Reynolds into this contest. So it, there is a lot that goes into these selections. And here you see the top selections made and the number one selection this week. And you'll notice a couple of these are certainly driven by the fact that you are getting the benefit of a hook. But the Carolina Panthers plus three and a half at home against the New Orleans Saints, your most popular pick of the week, Jeff. So with this line being Basically a flat three market wide. We know the Saints, and if you haven't heard, the Saints already were going to be without six assistant coaches due to COVID and contact tracing. An additional two assistants have already been ruled out for the game. So eight assistant coaches will not be with the Saints tomorrow in Carolina. Jeff, are we fading or following the most popular play in the contest, Carolina? Now, it's obviously a lot different since it's three and a half in the contest, and in real life, it's three right now. Well, it's three and a half behind us right now. Oh, so then that's well, available. Mind. You do have to lay 15 minus 15, but it's still available behind us. Okay. We, uh, we, we have Wes and I have this in our, in our five. You points. do. Yes. So we, how much we, of the COVID coaches stuff does that, does that matter? We, we, to you? We, so, so I don't think it matters that much. This is just the common denominator for a lot of week two plays for us. were an overreaction on the, for, on the line from what we saw from teams in week one. This was a pick Look in the look-ahead. I know New Orleans beat up Green Bay in epic fashion. Carolina won and covered the late numbers against the Jets. Didn't really look invested in the second half. Played very well early. That defensive line was great, but I think that was more product. The thinking could be that was more product of the Jets' offensive line being terrible than Carolina's defensive line being legitimate. But for me, this is, look, I... I th- I thought this line should have been two. I thought thought it should have been two, maybe even one and a half on New Orleans. So giving me three in the hook, it's a pretty enticing play. Uh, and I think Carolina, I think Carolina's solid. I think their defense is much better than we anticipated or going into the season. Now the one question mark is what is Sam Darnold? He looked very good for a half. In the second half, he didn't look good at all. And his numbers got inflated because Christian McCaffrey is unbelievably good, Ben. So I'm curious to see if the Saints are able to make Darnold flustered and turn him over like he looked like when he was with the Jets. If they aren't, Carolina has no business not staying in this game. So I, we like the three and a half, and I think Carolina is more than capable of losing this game by three. And as these betting splits we saw a moment ago I would indicate. Like, I uh, kind of like our position board now after seeing those spreads. A lot of, lot of public action on New Orleans, and it, look, you see this often. Public likes what they saw one week. You move to the next week, and, and you're going to back that team. 62% of the handle on the Saints, nearly 80% of the bets. These courtesy of DraftKings. And yet we're seeing this line moving down, at least most shops now, from Saints minus 3.5 to minus 3 on the road. There will be a couple injury concerns as well. Starting center, Eric McCoy out. Calf issue. 
Marcus Davenport, defensive end, out. Shoulder issue for the Saints. This is of the of all the games, Jeff. If you made me made me look at one game, I want absolutely zero part of. Oh, you're saying this one? This really? Is, this is the really? game. Really? I I wow. was really unimpressed with Carolina last week. Okay. Look, look, well, and, they, and to me, you well, you the point you make on the offense looking good in the second half. When you when when your offense basically keeps the opposing defense on the field the entire game, at a at a certain point. There was just nothing that the Jets' defense could do in that spot because their offense gave them nothing. Zach Wilson had no chance to find a terrible look. offensive line. At a certain point, you are going to get production when you are on the field basically the entire game. Look, look, and I, I thought Darnold was really shaky look, in the first look, half. Look, I really do think that the, you flopped the quarterbacks in that Jet-Panther game. The Panthers would have been up 35 nothing at halftime. It was, and it was nothing nothing. And, and it was, no, was nothing nothing until about five minutes into the second quarter. Look, I, I, I think Carolina's defense might actually be really good. That that's the big thing here. They have some players up front. Shaq Thompson was one of the best defensive players in the league last week with how well he played. Uh, so look, this is also to I expect a regression from New Orleans's offense too. And, and again, keep in mind, Jameis threw five touchdowns, but he didn't even get 150 yards. Like it was a very uh, very odd, bizarre. It was game, a very right? odd box score from what New Orleans had. That box score didn't show. Yeah, defensively, yes. But offensively, it didn't show them scoring as many points as they did. So it was a it was an odd box score as well for the Saints. And look, if New Orleans goes and wins by 10, then guess what? Maybe New Orleans is at every bit as good as they were a year ago when they were the two seed and were one Jared Cook fumble away from being in control of that game up two scores and going to Green Bay instead of Tampa last year. I, I am fading this this top consensus pick. If you may be, and I... I'm not going to play this game in any sense. If you maybe pick it, though, I would lay it with, with New Orleans, especially now that it is down to a three. And I'll, look, I'll say this, too. For all of the issues New Orleans has had to deal with, with the hurricane, the relocation, and it does sound like, by the way, they, they, they will be coming back home for week four. I don't know if there's a if there's a coach other than Sean Payton who I would want to, to lead a, a team like that through all of those issues. And look, from the, the chip-on-the-shoulder angle standpoint, we kind of laugh that off sometimes as betters, but I think that is that is real in a spot like this. I don't see a huge, I see a fall off eventually happening for the Saints because I think they, they clearly really played over their over their weight last week. But I don't expect just a drastic fall off of mm-hmm. that this week. And I, for as much of a no-show as that was out of Green Bay, I still think the Saints are able to move the ball, control possession. And I think with Darnold, you're, you're going to ask him to make some big throws, likely under pressure, under a lot more pressure than he was under last week. And I still just, I just don't trust him in that spot. So give me... Uh, New Orleans, I will fade the consensus on uh, on pick number one. However, Jeff, I don't pick, think I will pick. be facing. I will be. I will not be fading pick number two. Pick, pick number one, by the way, last week Washington against San, against. As uh, I, I against had, the I had number one, and uh, and they did not. They did not cover. So next, thank you for keeping us uh, abreast of the up to date yes. season standings. Number two, you see the week so week two selection count circa million three, Pittsburgh Steelers laying six. At home against the Las Vegas Raiders off after one of the most bonkers Monday night games we have ever seen. Short week for the Raiders. No Josh Jacobs already ruled out. We saw the the Raiders play without Richie Incognito, presumable starting left guard in uh, in week one. He is still out. He will not play week two. No backup quarterback Marcus Mariota. No Nick Kwiatkowski, the linebacker. He's out with a concussion. Carl Nassib and Yannick Ngakwe, two staples of the Raiders defensive line. They're both questionable for this game. And you have a Raider team where on paper, this is your classic go-against spot, Jeff. The question is, how much trust do you put into a Steelers offense that was bad? And, I mean, it was it was ugly in a, a game against Buffalo where basically a 
couple of poor Josh Allen throws that are on the target and, and a blocked punt. If you take out those equations, Bills easily win that game. How much trust do you put in the Steelers' offense, given that you're laying six and, and six and a half in some spots as well? Yeah, the uh, the Raider injury report is not great. Uh, they, no. that, that's, that's the big issue here. Even though I will say, I don't think missing Josh Jacobs is a big deal. Way. I, I think Kenyon Drake is every bit as good as Jacobs at this point. Look, I think the big question is which offensive line fails more in this game uh, because you have an offensive line in Pittsburgh, which well they held up last week well enough against Buffalo, uh, but well-documented in the offseason how bad that offensive line looked on paper going into the year. Uh, the Raiders' offensive line, I this is a different animal in Pittsburgh's defense than what they saw last week in Baltimore. I'm not sure. I mean, Buffalo, who has a really good offensive line, struggled to block Pittsburgh last week. How is how is Vegas going to hold up against this defensive line? So for me, this is a – if you're making me play this, I'm not playing this game. If you made me take it, I would fade the consensus on this one. But I have no confidence either way here. Pittsburgh winning by 10 wouldn't shock me. Vegas keeping it close and Pittsburgh winning a tight game wouldn't surprise me. I think Vegas winning outright would be the surprise right. result. I, I have no issue if you want to tease Pittsburgh down. Yeah, this I have no week. issue with I think that. that's fine. And look, the Steeler offense, 3.6 3. yards per carry from the ground game. Najee Harris had no room to run whatsoever. The offensive line struggled with the new offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, taking over for Andy Fickner in Pittsburgh, trying to get Big Ben some new looks this year. And look, the, the first you, you figured it would take time. It's why I liked Buffalo last week. Didn't expect the Buffalo offense to struggle like they did, but Big Ben in the end last week, 18 of 32, 188 yards, 5.9 yards per attempt. If anything, Jeff, uh, I, I am considering playing this game, but I love the under. Under 47. I, I, I want, I'm that. waiting just because as we are in, in, in Nevada, in Las Vegas, you might see some public over money come in late here, Jeff, given that we just saw the Raiders and Ravens uh, put up a boatload of points. If this thing gets up to 48, I think I would fire on the yeah, under. I, I don't have a problem with that. I wouldn't bet the over here, especially with how last week the Vegas game had no business going over, and it went way over. That might be the thought here. All right, well, we're, we're kind of, what are we going to be, fading? We're, we're, we're lukewarm we're, on number two. We're, yeah. I'm fading number one. You are backing number one in the consensus. We have three other games to break down. Circa million consensus lines as we continue our week two previews right after this here on Beach Investing. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my dance, bro. <laughs> There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- 
National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Center on VSN, the sports betting network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VSN.com to check the current betting splits data. This new feature gives you insights on where the money and bets are moving for every game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. Data is available for money line, over under, and against the spread bet. Betting splits are another way VSN is here to make you a smarter better year round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at VSN. As we continue our NFL previews featuring those betting splits for every game to tell you how the numbers are moving so far as we are back on Beeson Bet Center with Jeff Barles and Ben Wilson continuing. It's a two, really, a two segments, or Jeff, the fade or follow, the consensus lines. We just discussed the top two consensus picks in the Circa Millions contest for week number two. The number one pick, if you're just joining us, the Panthers catching three and a half at home against the New Orleans Saints. Number two, the Pittsburgh Steelers laying six at home against the Las Vegas Raiders. Each of those, well over 1,000 picks, just below that number two selection with 1,187 is the Sunday night game, the Kansas City Chiefs. We just talked, Jeff, about takeaways from that Raiders-Ravens Monday night game. Schedulers did not do the Ravens a very, very good, did not make them uh, make their lives any easier as they have to return home. Home opener on a Sunday night, short week, taking on Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. And the entire world, it appears, Jeff, is on Kansas City in the spot laying the three and a half, partly because in the real world, this is now up to a four-point line just about everywhere. There are a couple three and a halfs you can still bet, including at DraftKings on the East Coast, as well as stations here in the Nevada jurisdictions. Uh, Jeff, this is a play I did include in my contest plays. I don't feel strongly about it. I'm not really wanting to lay three and a half on the road, but... It's a it, the bigger thing here to me is the injury issues on the Baltimore side. This has just felt like a cursed season from the jump. You go back to that Thursday practice where in the matter of three plays, you lose Marcus Peters and Gus Edwards, both ACL tears, both out for the season. And you look at his injury report now where you're not going to have Derek Wolf, key defensive end. Ronnie Stanley, technically questionable, your left tackle, but the reports are he is not going to play. It would be surprising if he suits up. Hollywood Brown and Devin DuVernay, both questionable, who are key wide receivers for Lamar Jackson. And Marlon Humphrey and Jimmy Smith, your two starting cornerbacks, have both been limited all week. Likely to go, but they are firmly in that questionable camp. So with all that being said, the Chiefs come out of that week one come from behind win with a clean injury report. You have Patrick Mahomes 
I know you're laying three and a half on the road, Jeff, but it is impossible for me to fade at the consensus here. I know everybody's going to have them, but I'm, I'd rather just go down with the ship than be that, that lone objector who gets burned here. Yeah, I, we didn't have it in our plays, but this was on the list of considerations. Look at that handle. I mean, look, it's it just one of those 94%. where... 94%. Look, this is just one of those where everyone in the world is on one side, and we know what happens usually when that happens. I'm not making a bet uh, in real life on this. It's uh, just a contest play this for me. Fe- this feels like a money line parlay situation where you throw Kansas City with someone else. Kansas City and San Francisco would probably be one for myself that I would look at. Look, I, I was at the game on Monday night here in uh, here in town with Vegas and uh, and Baltimore on Monday Bumble night. Bragg. There you go. Uh, no, I look. <laughs> well, I, it wasn't supposed to be that, but that team, the Ravens, have a lot of issues for a team that has been so solid for so long and always well put together. The injuries have really, really made things very difficult for them. Because, I, by the way, I, I think Williams is a totally reasonable running back, even though they insisted on using using Latavius Murray in that second oh, what, half. revenge game? Um, <laughs> the, uh, the Baltimore offensive line is terrible. And Stanley might not even play in this game with the knee. So, I, look, I'm really concerned about the Ravens' ability to block anyone. And I think the Raiders actually have a pretty reasonable pass rush. That a pass rush significantly improved from what it was in the past. But I'm not sure, even though, again, Kansas City's defense is not the greatest unit in the world. We know that. We saw that last week against Cleveland, even though they stepped up when they had to late in that game against the Browns. I'm not sure Baltimore can block anyone. this week. And with the way that team is built, how are you going to beat anyone that's any good when you struggle to block. Oh, and by the way, I don't think their defense is as good as it's been in the last half decade anyway. So this is all signs point to Kansas City. The only thing Baltimore has going for them here is, are the Ravens really going to start 0-2? Home crowd. Home crowd. Sunday night. Sunday night. That is a great venue and a great rowdy fan base in Baltimore that doesn't get the credit nationally it deserves. Us against the world angle, and, 94% of the right, handle right. on Look, Kansas City. I, I, that, that's the only thing that Baltimore has going for it. With, with, the one thing I will say, though, Ben, is in the Mahomes-Jackson era, it's been three games. Kansas City is 3-0, and and Kansas City has been clearly the better team in two of those three games. The only one that Baltimore had a chance to win and they covered was that first one, which was the Mahomes sideways heave <laughs> the hill yes. that forced overtime, that, that got it in field goal range of force overtime, but... Look, all signs point to Kansas City. They're they're much better. And 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 the scary part of what it was from last week was Cleveland played until the last eight minutes of that game as well as they humanly could have, and Kansas City still found a way to win that game. Love them to pull that out, Jeff, for our Browns doing the AFC North tickets. That would have that would have gone a long I don't way. Know. We but, got a better uh, we got a better number but, on Cleveland than we should now because of that. I look, I have him at one eighty, still one seventy fives out there, which yeah. is a great I think it's still a great bet to make on Cleveland to win the AFC North. Let's go to number four on the consensus. This is one where I just set it up to you, Jeff, because you as as the uh, resident East Coaster, longtime suffering Jets fan. Well, the the consensus is going against you here. Patriots minus six at the New York Jets. Number four on the consensus. What are your thoughts, Jeff? So this was five and a half behind us in the the contest. So that's a big difference, five and a half to six. Look, the fade for me just be at, at six which is what it is in the Westgate Super Contest behind us at circle five and a half. It's a nothing for me. If we're just looking at this game as a betting perspective, Ben, how are we getting to 43? How are we getting there? This total has been bet up 
too. I don't quite understand that. The Patriots offense, I don't I I know Mac Jones was graded out as the best of the rookie quarterbacks. I thought he was fine. I didn't think he did anything spectacular. I don't think he did anything bad. I think he was perfectly solid, which which was which was bad, definitely better than what Trevor Lawrence did, and statistically it was much better than what Zach Wilson did. Zach Wilson played a lot better than the numbers indicate last week. He was running for his yeah, life. Every play, he was, he was running, running for his, for his life the whole yeah. game last week. The Jets couldn't block. And the scary thing for the Jets is the Jets' deep offensive line looked better after Mekhi Becton got hurt, which is not a good sign going down the road. Look, I think it's six. I think the Jets are a reasonable play. But the total here, I, the total's too high. I don't see how we're getting to 43 here. So for me, the under is the best play. I would fade the consensus at six, not at five and a half. It's a stay off. So that's the way I would look at it here. And look, I, the thing is, I know we know Belichick owns rookie quarterbacks. New England, we really going to see New England start 0-2? That's and the other thing, too. Already a terrible O-line. Loses Mekhi Becton. Yeah, Not going to get I, any it, easier for Zach. I just see, I just, to me, it, Jeff, there, I see a lot more of the same. Could they come back in backdoor? Absolutely, but I it's pretty similar to what it ended up being yeah. last week. And I, I threw New England in a money line parlay with with Green Bay, who see, we'll get to that, later. That, that's see, minus that, one fifty, by see, the way. See, if you that's play. a lot different, though. Like if you're just asking New England to win the game, yes, yeah. I, I would be surprised if the Jets do win this game. But uh, look, in I, the, I'm in, with you, though. In the end, here the total is what I would be picking on. This total is too high. Uh, we'll quickly do the last of the consensus, mm-hmm. Cardinals-Vikings, where the Arizona Cardinals laying three and a half in this spot. And this was, a, of all the numbers, Jeff, this was the weird one where a lot of people expected this to be Cardinals in the six, six and a half range. But the books almost, they, they seem to jump in front of the potential overreaction saying, all right, we know what's going to happen. We're not going to set this high and have all the money come in on Minnesota. So this has basically stayed the whole way, but a lot of respected two-way opinions on this, Jeff, with how bad Minnesota looked in that overtime loss in Cincinnati and an absolute whitewashing. You and I were both on Arizona last week. Beat down. Are you are you going back to the well on Arizona? This is a weird one because this... You're right. It didn't get the overreaction boost that we would have expected where we could have very easily seen it go to six on an overreaction and it's three and a half, four. Minnesota probably should have won last year. And the ball in the Bengals' territory with two minutes left And I'm not certain Cook actually fumbled. I I still think he may have been down, but I I don't know. Like this is a I have no feel for this game. This was one I crossed off immediately because the line I expected it to be closer to six. It ended up three and a half, four, four and a half bet down. I, I just this is a tough one, and I'm not surprised Arizona is a consensus play, and it wouldn't shock me if Minnesota wins this game outright either. So it's just. It's just one of those that's completely unplayable for me. I, I tend to agree. I, I would play Arizona. I still and I said this last week, Jeff. As long as Kyler Murray is healthy, and he's clearly healthy right now. Yeah. This Arizona team is to me a, a top ten team in the league and should be favored, I think, by at least four in a spot like this. Minnesota, the thing too with the the sloppiness, twelve penalties, was hundred and seventeen penalty yards for Minnesota. Those are the kinds of things that usually don't just immediately flip the other way in week two. That O-line was so bad, Jeff. Yeah. I don't – it's not, to me, an overreaction. It's just, is it even physically possible to change your O-line play that drastically in the span of six days? I just don't see it. Or is it going to regress to the mean in the positively? How could it be as bad as it was in the first week? A good point to make as well. Yeah. That, for those reasons, anyway. Uh, we still have a number of games to preview in hour number two. We'll start off 
Bills Dolphins. Interesting divisional matchup on the other side as we continue right here on Vison Center. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very slow. all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. (laughs) Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you.